0: Limerick today with Joe Nash on live ninety five.
1: Let's talk business with Ford Lease hassle free vehicle leasing. Search Ford Lease to find out more. Now sleep. Ah, oh, yes, indeed, great when it happens. Sleep issues, not so. Great. Um, More people apparently experiencing poor quality sleep and the Celiac Society of Ireland are running what they're calling sleep sessions. And we'll talk about those in a moment with sleep coach Tom Coleman, who's on the line right now. Good morning to you, Tom. Good morning. How are you? I'm good, Tom. Understandably, no shock at all. We got a massive, massive reaction to this when we indicated to people on our Facebook page and uh, generally across the morning that you were coming uh, on. Um, Is it fair or unfair to say that one way or the other, pretty much all of our sleep has been affected by the pandemic alone, not to mention all the other factors? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, We have a lot of different ways in which our sleep has been disrupted and the pandemic has, I suppose, caused a lot of, anticipatory anxiety where people are kind of unsure of the outcome. And, and this kind of adds into sort of tension and, and stress. Um, as well as that, the, our normal routines, the framework of our day has been taken away from us. And so we've kind of struggled with that as well. And that's caused many different things like strange dreams. People are having um, very vivid uh, dreams. But, but what happens in the evening till like night, we're lying in bed the noise of the day dies away and, and we start kind of analysing things and um, that's, that's caused a lot of disruption. So in, in many different ways, COVID has, 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 has disrupted our sleep.
1: Is it any surprise that I find when I can remember dreams, there always appears to be social distancing in them now?
0: Well, that's your, that's your subconscious making sense of the world. So the, so I suppose in essence, we, we, we dream, we kind of, we simulate threats and reality. Um, and that's, that's, that's what's
1: happening Nice Aoife's been in touch saying she's waking up at the same time every night she remains awake for over an hour before going back to sleep she wakes around 2am her bedtime normally is 11 she's up at 6.30 she falls asleep no probs, but wakes up fresh and ready to get up at 2am most <laughs> nights before falling back asleep over an hour later of twisting and turning and then of course she yeah. feels
0: tired in the morning Of course well look that's very common um, we call it sleep-wake cycles. When you sleep, you sleep in 90-minute cycles, okay? So normally we should be getting about five 90-minute cycles. So what's happening this caller is, you said she falls asleep at 11, she's waking at one. That's three hours. So she's she's waking up at the end of her first two cycles. Now, your first two cycles tend to be the deepest. And then your sleep starts getting progressively lighter as the night progresses. So it's, it's very normal to wake up. At this time, and our brain loves patterns. So she's, she's inadvertently got into this pattern of waking up at 2 a.m., but I'm not worried about the waking, which is normal. It's sort of practicing getting back to sleep again and knowing that you can achieve that sleep onset. So my suggestion would be to learn a deep breathing exercise, what we call a non sleep deep rest protocol. And practice that and that could be like a body scan or a meditation or something. But know that it's normal and it's not to be stressed out. Don't don't get stressed out because that's the last thing we need. Don't check the time also. What we normally do is kind of reach for the phone and, you know, hit the button and get blinded by the light and then get stressed out because we've woken up again. So instead of focusing on that, focus on yourself, focus on the breathing, focus on something else that will and you can train yourself very quickly to fall really? back
1: asleep. We're chatting to sleep coach Tom Coleman. Is it more normal then for the majority of people not to actually sleep right through the night?
0: I'd say as we age, like many things, we get worse at sleeping and we get worse at many things as we age. So the the, the incidence of wake episodes increases as we age. And um, and for 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 the women out there, especially the the perimenopause and the menopause, but they experience a lot of different um sleep issues as well for different reasons for hormonal changes so um yeah as as life progresses we seem to we seem to now some people don't remember waking and other people have great some people are light sleepers but there is great variance, but for many people, many people do experience wake episodes.
1: Uh, The other thing that seems to fascinate people, and a couple of listeners have raised this on our Facebook page, is vivid dreams that they remember very clearly, and then not being aware that they dream at all at other times.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, vivid dreaming is um, pandemic dreaming is people are having very strange dreams at the moment. There's about seven studies going on globally looking at this. It's a known phenomenon. So And the reason for that is because your subconscious is kind of struggling to put into pictures what's happening, and it has much less input. Before, during our days, we had we met lots of people, we had lots of social interactions, we had a lot going on, we kind of, this has been taken away. So now the brain is kind of struggling to put the unseen threat of the virus and um, not a lot going on into pictures. So it's kind of reaching for these very uh, symbolic images to represent that. And that's why we're having very strange and vivid dream. But it's nothing, absolutely nothing to worry about. If you remember your dreams, if you don't remember your dreams, it's not going to impact your sleep. Some people just have great recall and other people don't.
1: Right. And Gillian's been in touch on 0861239595 to say she's found she's sleeping more during the pandemic, the lockdowns. But overall, she thinks her days are less stressful and tiring because, for example, she's not commuting to and from work. Does this make sense, she's wondering?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It does make sense because we're not, you know, for most of us, we can actually get more sleep because that, that travel journey has been taken away. So our, our circadian rhythm, our, our, the pattern of our day and our sleep-wake cycles has changed. And in some instances, I'm happy to hear that's a very positive thing. So getting more sleep, fantastic. Yeah,
1: I, I'm amused in a way by Dennis. I mentioned this earlier in the show because uh, he said, I, I want the sleep expert to tell me how to sleep within 15 minutes of going to bed, but I don't want to be hearing about dark rooms or no screens or quiet bedrooms because it doesn't work in a big household. There's always noise somewhere, says Dennis. So any of the uh, initial advice you were going to give, he doesn't okay. actually want.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, Dennis. Okay, I'm going to give you some advice. To, to invest in a good set of earplugs, okay, first off. I know there'll be noise. Life happens. We have to deal with this, so I, I get that. The darkness is crucial, but you, uh, you can train yourself. That's the first thing to realize, you can't train. The U.S. military train all their new recruits on how to fall asleep quickly, and they report a 98% success rate after six weeks. So you must you must dedicate time and energy to it. So learn a body scan. They, they researched a, a body scan technique, which takes about five minutes, and you repeat this every night for six weeks, and you'll be out like a baby.
1: Right, Pamela is wondering, and I, I often hear about these and think to myself, how um, normal or how frequent are they for some people? Night terrors and sleep paralysis.
0: Yes, well, night terrors and sleep paralysis. It's I suppose they're classified in the, in, in the medical arena, and um, you know, they should, you should you should speak to a GP about it. Um, they can be very frightening. Especially for the people, not so much for the people who are actually experiencing, because they often they don't remember. And it's the person that has to witness them that they're, they can be very just distressing for. Now, sometimes they just, they come and go and they sort themselves out. And the time, if they're a serious issue, depending on the incidence rate and how how severe they are, you, know, you, you might want to speak to your doctor. But, you know, they, they are common enough. Um, and this is where um, your are your dream phase leaks into a different phase of sleep and some people can can they can get quite physical in, in, in that state. But again, no, they won't really remember them very often. But yeah, they it, 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 it can, can be distressing as well.
1: Right, and then restless legs, for example.
0: Restless leg syndrome, okay. So generally the advice is um, walking, cycling, a little bit of exercise, stretching, warm water, give them a little rub. Magnesium, there's there's a whole host of different things that you you, you can do um, to help deal with, with restless leg syndrome.
1: Yeah, and um, Alison is wondering about avoiding large meals in the evening, spicy meals, when yes. caffeine should stop before sleep, and when yes. alcohol should stop before sleep.
0: Oh, well, let's talk about stimulants and sedatives and, and these things can disrupt our sleep. So, we'll we deal with the caffeine first. Generally speaking, uh, I'd say the general advice would be not more than two to three cups, not not after one to two PM. I would say so. Depending on your your your, your capability of processing caffeine, and that varies for everyone. Generally, you know, after lunch, I avoid the caffeine. The alcohol um, we, we burn it at a rate of about one unit per hour. So ideally, you shouldn't be having alcohol, you know, prior to bed because um, it it disrupts your sleep quality. No problem with the sleep onset with the alcohol. People report, but it does stop you going as deep into the restorative phases of sleep. And I'm glad that you brought up the food because we're, we're, we're here t- talking today about the Celiac Society and all the great work that those guys do. Um, very close relationship there with food and our sleep. So the general advice is leave two to three hours between your last meal and sleep time. And why, why is this important? And especially important for the celiacs out there is that your digestive system Uh, cleans itself up at night when you're asleep so you take the pressure off. You don't load a load of food in um, and and certain bacteria will will actually clean up your digestive system as you sleep and and repair the body. So much repair happens when sleeping and for celiacs this is hugely important. Um, So, and the spicy food, well, it it contains something called capsaicin which can interfere with uh, temperature and temperature is a key effector for sleep. So we, we want... We want to keep cool and, you know, a spicy curry is going to heat us up. So that will disrupt uh, your sleep and possibly melatonin production as well.
1: Right. Um, And the Celiac Society of Ireland, are running sleep sessions.
0: Yes, the Celiac Society, um, I am speaking to to all of their members. They do fantastic work. Um, There's a lot of Celiacs out there. There's about 50,000 Celiacs out there. About thirty-seven thousand of those are undiagnosed. It's a lifelong autoimmune disease, so it's really sleep is really important for those guys because we know that sleep reduces inflammation, and it, um, people with celiacs can can suffer from a, a great degree of inflammation, and it's it's, it's hugely important again uh, for the gut bacteria and for different things like that. So it, it almost becomes especially important for C D X. So yeah, right.
1: Paula is asking about the famous circadian rhythm. And, yes. And it's funny because my experience is, and the good news is that I this doesn't automatically happen to me if I'm driving a car or something like that, but I actually find that between three and four in the afternoon, if I have the opportunity to nap, I nap much easier then than I do yes. at 12 or at 6.
0: Yes, because in your circadian rhythm... So. Circadian means circa, around about, and dia, around about a day. So that's what it means. We've an internalized rhythm or routine within the body of around about a day. And there are lulls in energy in, at different times. So mid-morning, mid-afternoon, and mid-evening. There's a kind of lull in energy. And we know that's not just from food, because scientists have measured this and stopped people from eating. And there's still a kind of time where we kind of wind down a little bit. And I think you know we should all be taking this on board. Uh, of just actually taking it easy at different times of day. We're not machines. We can't just keep going and going. So th- it's, it's no surprise to me that you can, w- we should be able to have a little uh, rest or nap if it suits you um, at different times and, and not too close to sleep time, obviously.
1: Yeah, and Tom Allen is one of these people who believes that sleep is for the week and, you know, is uh, says to us that uh, he's a four-hour-a-night sleeper. That's all you need.
0: <laughs> right, well... Um we should be spending about thirty six percent of our lives asleep. If if we look at the pillars of health, which are exercise, nutrition and sleep, and if I stop you from doing all of those, which will you die from first? Well, sleep. Really? If I take away all those, yes. So it's there's it's more time dedicated to one um aspect of of human physiology than anything else. So it's critically important if it all the research comes back again and again, we're far more productive or far sharper cognitive function all of these things when tested after sleep the scores are much higher if, if we get our if we get our uh, required amount of sleep now some people will only sleep for a certain amount of time maybe 4 or 5 hours and that's fine but for for the vast majority of us we should be getting um our our, our required sleep and you know this is backed up by the likes of Harvard and Stanford so right. Mm, yeah, that cultural that cultural attitude towards sleep must change. I feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And, and if someone suffers from anxiety anyway, can more yeah. sleep help it?
0: It usually, you know, they kind of go hand in hand because um, our our nervous system and how we interact with the with the world. If we have, if we're anxious and stressed out, we're not going to be able to sleep, which tends to cause more worry about sleep. As people get sleep anxiety, so. And, and they're very much interlaced. What we need to do is kind of unwind and wind down. And this will help us deal with life stresses because it, 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 if the, the more rested we are, and, and, and um, in terms of our um, psychology and everything else, we know that our mood is influenced through sleep, our hormonal levels are influenced through sleep. So it will actually act as a buffer towards stress. So it's, it's hugely important um, that we do try and, and work with it and unwind, as I said. So wind down mentally, emotionally, cognitively before sleep, and this will help.
1: And Tom, are you against sleep medication?
0: I'm not a medical professional, so i do not diagnose. So I would say speak to your GP. It, the, the medication has been described as a blunt instrument by circadian biologists and urologists. Um, but again, it is suitable for certain people. So again, you know, speak to your medical professional. I will help people deal with different issues around um sleep hygiene and fatigue management. Sure. Um and you know, I mean look, I think it's one of the first questions that any health professional will ask you how's your sleep? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so and everything we do during the day will inform our sleep. So, whether it be the coffee, the exercise, the stress levels, all of this kind of stuff, so we look after all of that, and do you know what, the sleep should look after itself.
1: And, and Mum's um, making the point here that for her, the kids can disrupt her sleep, understandably. Yes. But we'll often find that it kind of depends what time of night they wake and wake her, and maybe for how long. That if they wake at certain times of the night, it doesn't seem to affect her as much the next day, but at other times yes. of the night, it has a real effect.
0: Well, when we sleep, we sleep in these blocks or cycles of 90 minutes. Now, if I wake you up in the middle of a 90-minute cycle, likelihood is you're going to be in a deep phase of sleep. And if I wake you up, then you're going to feel terrible. Uh, but like our caller earlier who woke up after three hours, she's naturally coming up to a lighter phase of sleep when she wakes up. Then you're going to wake up and you're going to feel okay. You're actually going to feel okay. So it depends. It, it absolutely makes sense that if, if they wake at a certain time, our caller could be in the middle of a cycle and she's going to feel terrible or if she, she could be towards the end of a cycle and she's not going to feel so bad. So this is where, you know, when you can't plan for the children, of course, but uh, looking after your own sleep in terms of these 90-minute cycles, planning your alarms and, and setting uh, what I call a reverse snooze button support.
1: Right. And uh, professionally speaking, how did you get interested
0: in sleep? Well, I was working in nutrition and uh, I was working with a lot of high-performance athletes. About nine years ago and um, I I started looking at what had the biggest influence on on an athlete's ability to recover and it turned out sleep was number one. So that's how I became interested in sleep and I suppose nine years later I'm still working in the area. And finally,
1: Tom Coleman. (laughs) (laughs) And I I know you probably won't even answer this question. Maybe
0: you will. will. (laughs) Um, How do you sleep? (laughs) Uh, Look, I have to be as disciplined as everybody else, and I can often <laughs> fall into little traps as well. So, for the most part, I'm I'm pretty okay. It's winding myself down and being mindful of these things that that I have to watch out because I'm a very busy man and social media and computers and work, and you know, I I can get caught up and I cannot remember to be mindful and check in with myself. And say, well, Unwind start to unwind now, wind yourself down and you know. So I sleep pretty well.
1: Do you? Right. Yeah. Because I can imagine that it's a bit it must be a point of slagging though for the family and the friends if, if you do have a bad night say, What's wrong with you, Tom? Oh, I didn't sleep. Cr- oh, didn't you? Right. <laughs> yeah, <All>
0: absolutely. <laughs> I I have finished work sometimes at ten or eleven o'clock at night, and I'm going, Oh my god, I've got take my own advice
1: to <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So listen, we've all been there in different ways. So people uh it's Celiac Awareness Week, by the way. And uh, it's virtual, obviously, this year. Hopefully not next year, but this year it is. Runs from the 10th to the 14th of May. And, of course, you can register your interest at celiac.ie. And as Tom Coleman po- points out, for all of us, including um, uh, people um, who are celiac, it's very important uh, to know how to get the best night's sleep you can. Well, listen, Sleep Coach Tom Coleman, thank you so much for your time. Really fascinating this morning. We always get a massive reaction to this subject. So much part of our lives, I suppose. Uh, My pleasure. We, we appreciate it. Take care of yourself.
0: Take care. No, thank you.
1: See you, Yeah, Yeah, you too. Bye-bye.
0: <laughs> Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95.
1: Let's talk business with Ford Lease. Hassle-free vehicle leasing. Search Ford Lease to find out more.